0: I'd say it was a dark and stormy night, but there was a fire in the distance, and there was no storm, but a few miles off, lighting up the sky with little bolts of lightning. Nothing much to do but try to get out of the heat. That's when I saw her, the podcast on the docks. I knew this was the start of something bittersweet, but I also knew there was no stopping it. Hey, guys, I'm Mark. Hey, I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. Charles. (laughs) <laughs> and this is the good, the bad and the podcast. And today we are doing Neo Noir films. That was my noir entrance. It was nice. I liked you it. Good. Yeah, yes. thank you. I
1: did. That was fabulous. That was really good. <sighs> All right. So are you guys ready to talk about some dangerous dames?
0: Uh, yes. <laughs> I don't up. think I don't think I am because <laughs> I can't keep these movies straight in my head. They're so similar. <laughs> they
1: are really similar. Well, I was going to say,
0: uh, <laughs> do you want to define what a
2: neo-noir is, Kelly? Is this is your pick?
1: Yeah. So it's kind of hard to define, honestly. But basically, a neo-noir is just a modern, and I use that word loosely because it can mean anything from 1960 up until now, basically, um, but just a revival of the noir genre, which is kind of... It, people think of it a lot as like detective stories. I mean, at the time, actors and actresses who were making these movies didn't... They didn't think they were making anything called noir. They just thought they Then they thought of them as being B movies. Um, they're kind of that gumshoe... Uh, some of the themes are just you know, the city and, and and the light and the grime and the seamy underbelly of all these things that are secretly going on. It's nobody, nobody is thoroughly good. Everybody is morally ambiguous. Um, there's just so many, as far as the cinematography goes there, you often see things like those lights streaming through the slatted blinds. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it, there's a lot that it can accomplish that it can encompass, but oftentimes there will be a femme fatale, you know, a dangerous woman who leads the hero or the antihero or whoever it may be, um, into peril. And sometimes she has to pay the price for that. And sometimes as we will discuss tonight, she gets away with it, but.
2: Well, and that's kind of the, um, we talked about this earlier, Kelly, like when you first said the list, I was surprised the list was coming from you. Um, especially, Mm -hmm. Because I would have considered these more erotic thrillers. Um, and what's funny is when I looked it up on Wikipedia, it actually lists them out as neo-noir erotic thrillers. So we're both right. Um, and I th- but I think the, um, the strong connective tissue here is what you said, the femme fatale is is yeah. really prominent in all these. Um, and that right. really harkens back to the classic days of film noir because really neo-noir has gone off in so many directions there are so many movies that could be listed under that now almost any movie with a detective and a gritty uh a gritty kind of crime thing so um yeah so anyway uh i yeah i like i like this genre pick this was nice and uh this is really interesting and uh i hope it's fun for our audience too
1: yeah, I'm. I'm so excited to talk about it with you guys, and and I do want to just say there. I hope we do more episodes after this. I for this one, I didn't feel like I needed to delineate it in the episode title or anything. But I, with these picks, I'm I mostly focused on neo noir prior to the year 2000. If we open it up to anything after that, there's just so many more we could do. And honestly, there's more even pre-2000 that I could have chosen, but I had my reasons and I'll for picking the ones that I did, and I'll kind of get into that. But, um, yeah, I'm pumped. Mark, do you have any opening thoughts?
0: I had, well, At one point, I looked up the definition of, of a noir film because I couldn't describe it to some of my students. And the one thing I liked was that they said there is an atmosphere of menace. Like mm-hmm. there's always this like over this kind of darkness just hanging over the entire movie. It never necessarily breaks in, into a climactic scene. It's just always there. So and that's what I liked about some of these mm-hmm. picks as well. I must say yeah. this is the first time I'm really tripped up on what the good, the bad and the ugly choices are. And I'm, I'm okay. really nervous because oh, I'm not confident I feel at like all. I got it.
2: I got it. I do. All right, Charles, what are, you, what are your picks? Uh, what do you think? Body Heat's going to be the good. Basic Instinct will be the ugly. And Body of Evidence will be the bad.
0: Okay, that's what I had. That's what I finally settled on. But I don't know, because I think Body of Evidence could be ugly. There's a lot of, like, (laughs) ugly things about that movie when I was watching it. So that's why I was, I don't know. All right. I can't tell which one I'd rather watch again.
1: Well, maybe you'll watch all three again, Mark. Who knows? Who's to say? So. All right, well okay so for for our picks just to you know restate it for anyone listening out there, we've got body heat from 1981. We'll talk about that one first and then we've got basic instinct from 1992 and body of evidence from 1993. Um, Charles, do you have a trailer queued up for us? I do. So I guess as you could probably surmise from watching that trailer, this whole episode is going to be a little bit on the saucy side. So uh, a little bit more PG-13 maybe more, you know, even mature than that, than we usually get in these episodes. So if you're bothered or disturbed by that, then this probably isn't the episode for you to be Which
2: watching. Which is funny, because but... when we did 50 Shades of Grey, I, I said it was PG. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. We have different definitions
2: of I, PG. I know means. we do. Yeah, we know we do. I mean, Parental even, guidance. I mean, yeah. hey. Uh, even so, I would say that, you know, this is, we're not going to get too inappropriate or anything. So, we're you know, we no, keep, we keep no. it clean.
0: We yeah. will replace all of these suggestive words with the names of candy bars. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. All right. No, good. Okay. So, body heat. This is... This is my good. You are correct.
2: Yeah. Um, you got a synopsis for it?
1: Yes, I do. All right. So, in the midst of a searing Florida heat wave, a woman persuades her lover, a small-town lawyer, to murder her rich husband... So, this movie is heavily influenced by, pays homage to, uh, however you want to look at it, um, but it's it's very similar to Double Indemnity. Yes, um, and perhaps that might have been a tip-off as to which one it was going to be for me, knowing what you know about me and my abiding love of Barbara Stanwyck and Double Indemnity. But I really think it stands on its own. It's the, the, the first... Well, actually, before I get into that, I want to back up a little bit. So there are two movies in particular that I sort of thought about choosing as my good. And I wondered if maybe you might have been surprised that neither of them got the spot in this episode. But um, those two movies are Chinatown and L.A. Confidential. Because I feel like when people think about neo-noir, those are usually the first. If I mean, if not the first, then definitely they're major players in the conversation. I was wondering. That. and and I did really I, – I love Chinatown, and if you're if you're new to this genre um, and if you haven't seen it before, I really suggest you go out and watch it. Um, one reason why I didn't pick it, even though I love it, is that to me, I, I find it a little bit more interesting when – I hesitate to even say more interesting. I don't know. I find it very compelling when a movie can take noir elements and then – apply them to its own setting or its own time. You know, this is, Body Heat was made in the 80s. It's a movie set in the 80s and the characters act like they are from the 80s. You, It seems like it's cheating a tiny, tiny bit to have a movie made in modern times and then plunk your characters down in the 1940s. You're, you're halfway there already. And that's exactly you know?
2: why I, I kind of guess that's why you didn't pick L.A. Confidential because of that reason, honestly. Yeah. So, um. Because it's, it's very much a throwback to those.
1: It is. My thing about LA Confidential, I like Chinatown so much more because you can, I don't know quite, it, it's just a, a blend of all of these different reasons, really. But Chinatown was made in the 70s. It takes place in the 30s. And you can honestly actually forget a lot of the time that you're watching a movie that was made in the 70s because it feels so authentic. Um I don't really feel that way about L.A. Confidential, actually. Like, I appreciate so many things about it as a movie, but I appreciate it more than I actually like to sit down and watch it. It, it, It's – in L.A. Confidential, I never for one second forgot that I was watching a movie made in the 90s and set in the 50s. You know, it's Guy Pierce and Russell Crowe doing their thing, wearing high-waisted pants. <laughs> but – it it never I felt ambivalent about every single one of the characters like I didn't in noir like nobody's really good, but even non good morally bankrupt individuals can the best ones have something about them that make you invest in them. And I didn't care what happened to anything like, confidential. So that's another reason why I really like body heat is. Yes, it's heavily influenced by noir, like Maddie Walker is very much a combination of Lauren Bacall and Barbara Stanwyck and all of the, you know, sirens that loom large in my heart. But and the dialogue feels very Raymond Chandler-esque, you know, you get all these influences, but it's still its own thing. And
2: and I think when I when we were first talking about it. I don't know, it was years ago, months ago. I don't remember when we talked about it, but I think I told you, I was like, it's a steamy movie. It's really steamy or something. Like it that. is. It is, literally. It's It's literally, like everybody's yeah, sweating and, it, yeah. Constantly. Yes. Yeah.
1: I love that. I love how much the heat is such a successful part of this movie. Everyone mm-hmm. is sweating. Everyone is dirty. Everyone is, I mean, it just takes on a life of its own. Um, I love the banter between the two of them. I think William Hurt and Kathleen Turner are cast so well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I really, I,
0: like, I, I really like William Hurt, too. Uh, he was the he was a great choice for this because the other the other two picks, I don't really like the leading actor.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, the actresses are, are, you know, what they are. But um, and William Hurt, I don't think gets his due, really. He's kind of one of those those actors who. He's well-known, but he he was never, a, I guess, a superstar, right? Or was he I don't, in the 70s or 80s or 90s? Or
2: I mean, he's... Oh, yeah. No, I, yeah, I'd probably agree with that. I mean, he's an Oscar winner, um, but he... Yeah. But he... I mean, you know, now he's in the Marvel Universe. He's the general or whatever. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he... Yeah, so he, he pops up in interesting roles. He's always been mm-hmm. an
0: interesting actor that way. He, you know, so... I loved him in the uh, the village in Notchumelon that was my introduction to him as an actor. So, I enjoyed seeing him in this role as a younger man. He was I thought I thought he was great. This was definitely the most noir feeling film of the three.
1: Yeah. I agree. I uh, um they they just I if you're going to do a noir, I feel like you have the two leads have to have really good chemistry. You have to understand why this woman could dupe this man into doing whatever she wanted just by the promise of her sexual wiles. Like, and yeah. yes, they, they do go there, but you know, that even if they didn't, she could have made him do it all the same just mm-hmm. on, on that, her charisma alone. But, um, I don't know. And this is it's spoiler alert, um, for, for anyone, but i just want to say something because we sort of touched on this like a couple minutes ago, but, but, When when the original noirs were being made in the 40s and 50s, the Hayes Production Code, which was this um, an imposition of so-called moral guidelines for what movies could and couldn't show, and they had to, you know, everything had to happen kind of a certain way. So even if 90% of the movie leaned in one sort of bleak direction, and you thought that the person was going to kind of get away with these. nefarious deeds they they weren't allowed to like they had to die or go to jail or or something like they never really got away clean and in this movie i yeah. ca- i i kind of love that she does
2: you really are guessing all the way through whether or not she did it didn't do it and they leave you little hints um you know i was reading and something i missed but i was reading the trivia on imdb about um when when uh, he sees her friend at the gazebo you know, and mm-hmm. it's an awkward thing. She hands her friend mm-hmm. an envelope and they don't really explain what the envelope is. But uh, you can infer that she was paying that friend off like he's, he, he yeah. guesses at the end. So it's kind of a nice mm-hmm. little thing. If you go back and rewatch things, you could catch like that. Um, yeah. So um, now in terms of movies like this, uh, you know, you know, you mentioned Chinatown and all that. But there is another movie that I really like as a neo-noir that's very similar. And that's Wild Things. I know a lot of people see Wild Things as kind of a trashier movie and all that, but it's really good. Um, uh, so that's something I would definitely put up on this list. Uh, I'm not saying it's as good as Body Heat, but I, I don't think it – I think it's an underrated film um, because people just think of it as – they think of that threesome scene. You know, That's the thing that always, mm. people always talk about. Um, there's that. And then Memento comes up as a neo-noir on the list too. I don't know that I would call it mm. that. It's, it's kind of interesting because it happens in order. You don't really realize the femme fatale character and how she's manipulating him. So it, it's yeah. one of those movies you'd have to think about later to be able to catch it as such. But but those two I would definitely put in this category
0: as good.
1: Yeah. Okay. What about you, Mark? Were there any that popped out to you?
0: No, I'm not a huge noir connoisseur. So I, I couldn't even think of neo-noir titles other than maybe like Dick Tracy which is kind of a niche comic book one, or um, even some of the newer. Uh, was it who was it Zack Snyder? Who did the um, the uh, comic book ones with the guy with the red tie? Oh, who was always uh, yeah. The, Sin City. It's not the Sin, it's not Sin City, but he was the same it, director, right? I know Mike.
2: Well, no, uh, I know you talked about. It's the guy that actually Frank Miller directed. Frank Miller, it's the Spirit. Yeah, yeah. The Spirit, what you It's The Spirit,
0: right? In the you're talking the about, Spirit, yes, yeah, That's yes. a terrible movie. Yeah, it's not good. But just Can in terms of, of uh, like, other, just movies in the genre, I was thinking Sin City and The Spirit.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Yeah, The Spirit would fall in line with what you were saying earlier, Kelly, about
2: it never really feels like a real, like, lived-in period. Yeah. yeah. You know, it feels fake.
1: Oh. Okay. What a, well, is it there anything else you guys want to say about *Nia noir or or about uh, body Heat*?
0: what i liked about the heat in this movie is that normally the three musketeers is a like i'm sorry i'll just i can say the word we'll say the word sex at least then usually sex is like an escape um but with when it's with with this heat it's like it's not even an escape because you just get more hot doing it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like literally and so it's like it's like never it seems like throughout the whole movie was never an actual release for either of these characters It just built mm-hmm. the tension more, even though you would think it, it would release some of the tension.
1: Yep.
2: Uh, and I, I really yeah. liked,
0: um, uh, for at
2: least four, I forget it. I, I liked Mickey Rourke a lot in it too. It's one of his early. Yeah. Roles. I loved his
0: character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But man, what happened to Mickey Rourke? Well, wow. <laughs> I, Ugh. it took me a full, like two or three minutes to even recognize it was Mickey Rourke. Cause I saw him in the, the beginning credits. So, and then, it's settled as a like, man they, he looks completely different.
2: That's a lot. It's a She's, lot that's happened to him. I know he was a boxer at one point, too. I don't know exactly yeah. when or how that worked, but yeah.
1: He's so lovable in this. Like he is. He's, he, yeah. he's yeah. an arsonist. And so obviously, and he, he, uh, but and he's kind of this just lovable ruffian, but... You he's know, adorable. And,
0: yeah. And you only see him for, you know, a few minutes in two two different scenes. And he's able to pull off that character and nail it. Yeah. And he, uh, he,
2: but it adds okay. weight
0: to it, too. It really does. It It's those are yeah. great mm-hmm.
2: scenes. Mm-hmm.
0: The only because, thing I didn't like about. Oh, sorry, go ahead. If, if you're still talking about Mickey
1: Rourke, because I was going to move on. Oh, I was just going to say that he, uh, I, you know, he. you think that. He, he starts the movie, he's he's knowledgeable about how to do these arsons, and so he's kind of helping William Hurt's character pull off his plan. But then he he comes around and he, he ends up being sort of a voice of reason and mm-hmm. tries to he lets him know, like, hey, um, she came to me as well and requested another bomb and you know, you probably shouldn't do this and so anyway, go ahead, Mark.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say the only thing I didn't like about the movie was towards the end it seemed like some kind of random plot contrivances. He, he met that lawyer at the bar who just happened to be there and tell him that the woman had come and asked about him like on a happenstance. You would think he could have found that out. Like he would search it out or something like that. And Hmm. then, um, I wasn't sure why she didn't, well, I guess she knew Ricky work was going to tell him, right. That was all part of the plan. So that made sense to me actually, now that Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about it, I mean, but just that random lawyer at the bar seemed kind of weird.
1: Yeah, I, I I think that this movie felt, I mean, there were a lot of complexities and subtleties to it, but I I never, I didn't find it as, I feel like a pitfall of neo-noir is that the plots can get really convoluted sometimes and they can really leave you in the dust. But this one, despite all that, it it doesn't, you can stay with it, you stay invested every step of the way or at least i did it i'd never lost my interest um yeah it, it's not a perfect movie but it's it's one of my favorites i would say It's
0: oh, really like good it. yeah mm-hmm. all right you ready for the next one sure do what do? is the next one we got
2: both the 1992 right yeah i think basic instinct came out a little early so that's the one i have queued up um do you want to do the trailer okay. first or the synopsis
1: Either one. I've got my synopsis. If we want to just do that real quick. Sure. Um, All right. Basic Instinct A violent police detective investigating a brutal murder in which a manipulative and seductive novelist could be involved.
2: All right. Here's the trailer.
0: What was it? Ice pick.
2: I can like speak to Miss Catherine Tremell, please. Is she your suspect? She's a suspect. I wanted to write a book about the murder of a retired rock and roll star. Yeah, you know, she does the boyfriend with an ice pick.
1: She intended the book to be her alibi. I picked him up and I had sex with him. You didn't feel anything for him. You just had sex with him for your book. In the beginning, then I got to like what he did for me.
2: You like playing games, don't you? It's nice. You've got no physical evidence. She's lying what's your new book about
1: a detective
2: who falls for the wrong woman what happens she kills him stay away from her you are out of control Kurt. you won't
0: learn anything i don't want you to know she knew i'd say she did it and she knew that nobody would buy it she is screwing with your head Nick.
1: she knows things about me that i only told you how does it feel to kill someone you tell me. Nicky got too close to the fire. Nicky liked it. You're in over your head. She seduces people. It was eternal affairs,
2: wasn't it? she manipulates people. Freeze! How much did she pay you? Come on, play I live, breathe.
1: Games are open, Nick All right Alright. So basic instinct. Charles, you were correct. This is my ugly pick.
0: Yeah. Aww. That was my pick too. I was I was correct too.
1: Yes, Mark, you were also correct. Okay. Um
0: I just was less sure of myself, so I guess <laughs> I get less of the accolades.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Poor, poor Michael Douglas. He just, uh, ladies be crazy, and he always gets himself in these situations where (laughs) he's utterly at the mercy of someone who's kind of deranged.
2: Would you consider Fatal Attraction a a neo-noir? I,
1: I, you know, I thought about that. I don't think it, I don't think it fully is, in my opinion, but- Um, I don't know do you would you say that this
2: I don't know it it, sort of I mean it it, that's just more of a thriller to me Um, yeah but it does remind me you're talking about Michael Douglas always getting crazy women
1: he I okay and what is it about him I just don't fully understand him in these ultra sexy movies you know he has a certain magnetism about him but he I'm
2: trying to say you don't find him sexy
0: a little bit. Yeah, I th- I think I would really agree uh, with you. Like it surprises me that he would be treated and even more so with Willem Dafoe, which we'll get into. Right. But but even with Michael Douglas, I'm like, there are so many other male actors who have more magnetism to them than Michael Douglas. I mean I like Michael yes. Douglas, but not as like a sex figure, not as a So you saw sex idol. And right. I'm not saying I right. disagree, but you
2: you would say like William Hurt was more of a sex figure in I think angel. so.
1: I, mean, I think I'm, he
0: pulled it off. Yes. Gotcha. Perfectly. Like, I don't think he even, you know, I don't think he ever really was seen as that, as like pigeonholed in that category. Like some, like Brad Pitt or, you know, like people that idolize for their looks. But, but I just didn't like, I didn't like Michael Douglas in this movie very much. Well, and I I don't really find the
2: chemistry there between him and Sharon Stone. So I think that's a big part of it for me. Correct. I kept
0: wondering when he was going to get small, like super small. (laughs) Uh, and like fly around and and hit things really hard. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, and that and, 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 and
2: <laughs> but there's also the aspect of his relationship with his psychiatrist, Jean Triplehorn, in this movie. Mm-hmm. That yeah, that makes you not like his character either. He doesn't have chemistry with her. Right. So there's a lot going against him, I think. And then, of and, course, and, then there is the age difference too. Like I believe he was close yeah. to fifty. She was really young starting out. Well, she I guess she'd been around in the '80s a little bit, but this
0: one of her first big movies. Yeah, I think this would have been much better for him if he was 10 years, 15 years younger, because you could kind of see the age at this point and it just was
1: unconvincing. I agree. And he just I (laughs) there were a lot of things about this movie that weren't really believable, but I still kind of like it. I, I there's something about it like. I was invested, man. I mean, I had all all this time. uh, uh, Sharon Stone. I I don't know. This movie doesn't pretend to be anything besides what it is, which is a Mm -hmm. vehicle for Sharon Stone to be sexy. And she checks the box and it keeps me guessing. You know, it kept it kept me guessing. I did not guess the end. I thought the end was a pretty good twist. It was like a double twist, really. Yeah. Um,
0: Yeah. And she's not just – I wouldn't say it's just for her to be sexy because I I liked her performance in this movie and how she uses her body as like a weapon against Mm -hmm. everybody else around her and how she manipulates people in that interrogation, Mm -hmm. like how she was manipulating all the men in that room. You know, normally when you have – you know, a bunch of guys in a room and one female, you would assume that the female is going to be like more nervous or more anxious. But mm. she was like she was the one who was dominating the room.
2: And that's a famous so, scene, of
0: course. Yeah, that's the. Yeah. But
2: it's also kind of a ridiculous scene, too, the way they shoot it and how intense it is. Yeah. And looking over. Mm. And, Newman. Uh, yeah. Newman, <laughs> yes, 29. Newman. I love it. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's so over the top. It it, it does kind of have that like trashy quality to it that makes it very appealing. It's a guilty it, pleasure.
1: It is. It is the epitome of a guilty pleasure, and they play up all the noir elements to the hilt. You know, they turn every single facet of this movie up to eleven. Yes, and so. You Know, I, yeah. would I watch it again? Yes, I would,
2: and it's the same. Uh, I think it's we were talking about it's Paul Verhoeven, the director. Um, he's directed a ton of movies, but uh, like Robocop, and uh, he also directed Showgirls. Mm-hmm. Showgirls mm-hmm. is another one of those that I would consider it's really bad. It's 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 so bad, it's almost good. It's become a kind of a cult
0: movie, so mm-hmm. it's very interesting. What I didn't like about it, and I th- the reason I was so confused about these picks is because I didn't think of this as an ugly movie. It's it's I thought it was edging into the good territory, yeah. um, just because of you said you know if you take it at its face value, I, I think it's it's somewhat well done, especially with Sharon Stone's performance and Michael Douglas is good in terms of acting. That's but fair. it's I think it really is a male fantasy in the in the sense that. You know, they keep using the term that it was a Snickers of a Lifetime, right? And a, like would change her life. <laughs> Snickers uh, of
1: a yes. I
0: told you we're going to replace all of yep, yep. So, uh, and it just didn't seem like that was the case, right? And in the end with the double twist, it's like he is so, basically he was so good in bed that he turned her good. You know what I mean? Like that was the basic drive of the movie at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, it's,
2: it's true it's just funny <laughs> right? it's just funny saying it out loud it's just, it's true though I don't yes.
0: disagree it's just funny right <laughs> and so it's and, and going back to what we talked about Michael Douglas performance and the like maybe there was not so much chemistry there like that's not really believable that you know she fell so deeply in love with him and especially in a physical way that she's like oh I'm going to become a whole different person even though I've been super smart this whole time and you know basically Hannibal Lecter and now I'm just going to live with Michael Douglas and make a bunch of babies.
1: Yeah, hang up the old ice pick and live happily yeah.
0: Did you guys
2: see, uh, did you see the sequel?
1: No, no I, I didn't.
2: Neither <laughs> did, did I. Did know
0: that existed?
2: It, Should we? It, no, I haven't seen it. It's a recent movie. I heard it was terrible, though. Uh, Michael Douglas is not back in it, um, but she is. She's the main person. So mm-hmm. back to her old Hannibal Lecter ways, I guess.
1: Okay.
0: Oh, Let's I did see. really like the meta... Element here of her writing books for her own alibi,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and that you know, like, is it really her? Or is it somebody you know taking her fiction and turning it into reality? And that was that was kind of cool, yep. So,
1: yeah, all right, all right,
0: you
2: ready to go on? Yeah, sure, all right, Can you get the synopsis,
1: yes, okay, oh, so <laughs> body of <Fine>. evidence. <laughs> Um, a lawyer defends a woman accused of killing her older lover by having sex with him. <laughs> <laughs> Straight <laughs> wait, wait, to the point. Right. Hold
0: on there for a, like. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Good. Ahead. That, that like sums up the whole podcast <laughs> in a sense, right? The whole new noir. i
2: have got to hit
0: every box. <laughs> yeah. I did not see that synopsis coming. Okay, I'm sorry.
2: <laughs> All right, let me uh, let me do the trailer. Here we check. go. <laughs>
1: seen animals make love frank it's intense it's violent we're not animals yes we are
0: she is a beautiful woman
2: but when this trial is over you will see her no differently than a gun or a knife or any other instrument used as a weapon she is a killer. Frank, come on, give
1: me a story here, Frank. Did
2: you do it, Miss Carlson? Looks like she had him chewing on the wood. They weren't rope burns. She had him handcuffed.
1: Do you think I killed him?
2: That's a question I never ask my clients.
1: There's nothing wrong with admitting that you want me, Frank. What did she do to you, Frank? How did you get those marks on your chest? What, what are they? Bites? Wish me luck the women hate me they think I'm a whore men don't marry women like her and the men see a cold heartless bitch they can pay back for every chick that's ever blown them off in a bar sex was a game to her
2: I must have been out of my mind to get involved with you was she using a razor blade
1: I'm hard to resist nobody's sucking.
0: The, yeah. the audience. What else has Madonna acted in? I can't think of... of what, has she done other films, many other films? Uh, I'm, I'm des- sure she desperately, cameos. But desperately
2: was she... Secrets Seeking Susan. Uh, she was in A League of Their Own. Oh, okay. okay. Oh
1: my gosh, I forgot she was in A League of Their Own. Like that. Really
0: yeah. like... Dick Tracy. Oh, oh nice. Cool. <laughs> Alright, Kelly. So this is your bad pick.
1: This is my bad pick. Um... I just don't even know what this movie. So, a brief little intro to it. It originally received the NC-17 rating, which no one here is surprised by that. Um, this is another example of a movie that I thought was going to be ugly, but it ended up just being really bad. I, it had so much promise, like the cast. Right. Okay, pretty pretty reputable. William Dafoe. Uh, Madonna, Joe Montaigne, I love him in Criminal Minds. Julianne Moore has won many Oscars. I mean, but then <laughs> so this movie was nominated for six. Not five, but six Golden Raspberries, including Worst Picture, Worst Actor, Worst Director, Worst Supporting Actress, Worst Screenplay, and Madonna won for Worst Actress. <laughs> and it was also, in 2005, on the list of Roger Ebert's most hated films. <laughs> it has an 8% rating on oh, Rotten no. Tomato.
0: That's pretty low. That's pretty bad. It's
1: pretty bad. So, oh. yeah. The, ca- the casting is so bizarre to me. Like, all of those yes. people collectively could be in a really good movie. But like you mentioned before, Mark, Willem Dafoe and Madonna. <laughs> I just can't understand a world in which they would be lovers. And
2: uh, You didn't think they had yeah. chemistry? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I, no. I didn't know, I, I, Charles. I, I
2: don't know. I, the scenes were pretty steamy. They were pretty, like... Mark was talking about the – he was talking about the scene in the in the parking garage. <laughs> and – Yes. It's, it's a pretty hot scene. I mean, it is, <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah,
0: but that doesn't make chemistry. Like, you can right. have like – so let me just say too, basic instinct and body of evidence. Like, these these uh, like Reese's scenes are the least movie – like the – you know, like, you know, in most movie love scenes, you can tell it's a movie love scene. You know what I mean? Like, it's different than than actual explicit videos. Yeah. But in these two movies, there was not a lot of difference between <laughs> these scenes and explicit videos that are only for that. Well,
2: and especially and that... And so that, it surprised that, me. That, that scene we're talking about on top of the car, yeah. like, that was pretty explicit. Right.
1: And, uh, the, and the scene with the candle wax, too, and, like, yeah. all this, I mean... Yeah, there were some Twix being consumed. And
0: yeah, I mean Twix, and then you throw butterfingers on top of that, and it's I, like a whole—it's like a whole Skittles uh, it, jar. It, so anyway, it, it, I guess Skittles aren't a candy bar. Sorry, I broke—I broke, I broke was, the paradigm.
1: <laughs> they were tasting the rainbow, but
0: this movie was forgettable to me, it uh, was. partly partly because I I watched all three in pretty quick succession, like in three or four days but I couldn't remember how this movie ended for a while until I jogged my memory. And it was like, I just didn't care. You know, Madonna, Madonna was not great at acting. And she like, I just didn't care what her plot was at the end and what was going on. Like, okay, I guess she's the bad. All right. Lock her up. Kill her. I can't, I don't even remember if she dies at the end or if they, if she gets away with it or what happens.
1: Exactly. And that's like uh, when we first started this conversation, some of the essential needs of a noir film is that you are supposed to take a dirty, scummy character and somehow get you to care about them, at least mm-hmm. enough to be invested in what happens with their life. But this is an excellent example of that hugely failing because you don't well, actually care about any of them.
0: Yeah. And actually it goes in reverse because with Willem Dafoe, I was like, oh, he's going to resist because he's just kind of a stand up guy. And then it ends up once they slept together, I was like, oh, I don't care about him now. Like he's just bad. He just cheated on his wife and it's this didn't really present us with a good reason that he would have done that. I mean, there's no. never a good reason, but like a convincing some something, right? Exactly. Yeah, like, good.
1: She just, it in this and basic instinct too, it essentially comes down to some googly eyes at each other, and then she's like, "You know, you want to," and he's like, "You're right, I do." And then that <laughs> oh there, there it is, and they yeah. yeah. Do you do you think
2: these kind of movies are empowering women by having strong female roles, or or is it that, that's that's kind of where I'm trying to draw the line on because this one I feel like wasn't. It felt very anti-woman in a lot of ways especially the way it ended with the spoiler alert with the guy shooting her and her falling out the window and drowning and then (laughs) and then the guy you should you should have won the case i did like all of that oh yeah yeah
0: it see now i remember how it ends thanks
2: yeah exactly uh but it it felt it didn't feel like it was empowering her at all it didn't feel like a strong character whereas in both basic instinct and body heat i thought they were really strongly written women and well acted So I, I don't know where that line is for me because they're this movie is very similar to Basic Instinct, and as Mark mm-hmm. said earlier, they're all very kind of similar. So I don't I don't know if it's more of the performance, if it's just because Madonna wasn't the greatest actress in this, or if it was just the writing was it pretty good for her? Because it does kind of play into the male fantasy thing, but they all three did. So it's it, I feel like the other two used the male fantasy against men. This one just kind of it didn't. There was no it didn't use it against the men at all. Really other than her first victim.
1: Right. uh, And for anyone out there who, uh, (laughs) I just want to be clear on this. Joe Montaña is, uh, what, prosecuting her for this crime. And so literally in the courtroom, his whole argument is that Madonna was using her body as a deadly weapon and bleeps a man to death like that's that is it and so you can't get much more reductive than that because he was essentially like look at her she's a sexy desirable woman and she used (laughs) she used her assets to hoodwink this guy into doing whatever she you know and and she she did have a certain amount of power because she did succeed for a while in her exploits but I agree with you, Charles, like just the writing and the dialogue, what, what, what could have been an interesting opportunity to be somewhat empowered just didn't, it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't work.
0: Yeah. It's an interesting question too, because in, in neo-noir, when you're descending into this world where nobody is really salvageable, I don't think you can be feminist. You know, I don't think. You know what I mean? Like, how can you how can you be a character who empowers anybody if everybody's a scumbag? You know what I mean? Yeah. For women or men or race or gender, like in you know, well, the whole setting is like nobody's good, nobody's empowered.
2: I mean, in Body Heat, though, I was actually happy to see Kathleen Turner get away with it. I really was. Yeah. Um,
0: mm-hmm. in But not because. But were you happy because she was a woman and empowered, or just because? Sort of. I feel like she for I, feel like, reason, I feel like
2: she pulled it over, you know, all these men in her life. I mean, yes, yeah, she's bad character, but I w it was kind of interesting that she got away with it. She tricked them all and they, they all thought they were smarter than her in various ways. Mm-hmm. And basic instinct, like you said, yeah. it's it's more like he was so good in bed that she decided not to kill him. <laughs> and so that's kind of the medium of this. Yeah. And again, this yeah. one it felt like the the opposite. So again, it's kind of this slope for me. But to these three movies,
1: yeah, which I guess makes me happy that you agree with where I would have placed them because that that all plays into it.
2: Yeah. Hi. Cool. A, yeah. It was an awkward gap there. It's like.
1: I. Well, the I. I
2: Kit Kat. Yeah. I <laughs> Good night.
1: I'm trying <laughs> to. I don't think I. Do you guys have anything else on that one?
2: No, I no. think I think i had a, I think this was a good discussion i i also yeah. say i like your picks kelly when uh are your genre picks because usually i feel like we have a we have a good film discussion of it too so
1: mm-hmm. awesome yeah i this was this was a lot of fun for me i think um whether whether i choose it or one of y'all do we in the future at some point we ought to revisit this and maybe do you know two thousands till now or just I'd love to see y'all's take on it. You know, if you want to choose different ones than I did for even pre-2000, but it's a good.
2: Maybe I'll just do full on erotic thriller. Like we'll (laughs)
1: we'll really dive
2: deep. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, So I guess, uh, is that all you want to say on it, Kelly? Are you good?
1: Yeah, I think so. I
2: believe it's my pick next time. Um, So uh, it's going to be September. Uh, when we do it and the new, uh, the sequel to it is coming out. It chapter two. So I decided I wanted to do Stephen King horror movies, movies written yeah. or movies based on Stephen King books, I should say on his horror books. And I, again, I'm not just, just the horror movies. Um, now, unfortunately, uh, I'm not going to tell you my picks right now because one of my picks I cannot find to watch anywhere and I cannot find the DVD to rent to anything. So, um, I think I've got to change one of my picks, and I will get back to you guys on that. Um, Okay. But, yeah. And then also, we are going to be doing the 31 Days of Horror. That's going to be starting up in October, obviously, October 1st. This -hmm. year, we're doing Mm -hmm. Vampires. So, I think that'll be really exciting to talk about Stephen King movies. I've been wanting to do that for a really long time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I thought about doing it, too, because he's written so many, and the movies are so kind of varied in their quality. Yes, like yeah. a lot of made-for-TV stuff and a lot of or, or like long TV episodes. So. Yes, exactly.
2: There and there's a lot, and well, because he's as you say, he's written so many. Yeah.
0: So. Cool. Yeah.
1: That that's a good one, Charles. That's I'm excited. That's gonna be cool.
0: Me too. Cool. And I hope it is on the list, the first one, because I haven't seen it yet, and I really want to have a reason to see it. We shall see. Cool. All right. Well, if that is it, then you can all check us out at itsjustawesome.com or on iTunes and Twitter at GoodBadPodcast, all one word.
1: Cool. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Have a good one, guys.